Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. I'm your host Scott and with me as always is my good friend Dan. And on this week's show we are touching upon the amazing swimming work that's going on at University of Edinburgh with Matt Trodden. As well as touching upon the LEN under 23s that have just happened last weekend. Yeah, we've got ourselves a great coach for this week's episode. Matt has done great work up in Edinburgh of late and looks set to be continuing that. He's back from being on poolside, like Scott was saying, from the LEN under-23s that happened in Dublin last weekend. So I'm very interested to get his thoughts on that meet, as it's the, the first time it's ever happened, as well as get to know the, the Edinburgh setup up there in Scotland. So let's have a quick listen for what's to come on this week's episode. Every journey is different. With every single athlete, no two are the same. So I think that's a the beauty of coaching uh, mm. is that you, you never get on the same bus or, or you work with it. There might be things that are similar, um, but for each person, it's going to be something that's going to make them tick. And it's once you find that out, uh, I think you know you can go on you know an awesome journey. I've got a real genuine passion in that link from uh, what we do in the gym into the water, uh, how we train it, um, and how we get the best. Um, return on our money uh, in terms of you know making yourself strong is one thing but how do you apply it in a in a medium where water's going to move about just with, uh, you know it's never fixed use it for visualization where we train the sounds uh, of the the race pace and uh, so we have we record the athletes at, at race pace um, and we allow them to you know, visualize and, and sort of hear and try and recreate senses um, in and around you know what their actual race feels like it's very easy to sit and do meditation or um imagery but you know it works differently for every every person so for those who don't know much about matt trodden he is the deputy head coach at the university of edinburgh and has been there since 2014 he specializes in strength and conditioning and also has a degree in sports science and psychology now, the program up in Edinburgh has produced some fantastic swimmers over recent years, specifically the likes of Cara Hanlon, Archie Goodburn and Stephen Clegg. And we can't wait to talk to Matt all about it. So, Dan, let's jump straight into this week's episode. Matt, thank you for joining us this week. How are things with you after a uh, busy weekend over in Ireland? Yeah, it's been a it's been a very long season. Um, I think that was week fifty three. So, um, you know, a very long year indeed. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to some downtime. And it was a, a great end in, in Ireland, plus uh, World Paras and, and all the meets that had gone before this summer. So, Matt, it's no secret to our regular listeners of this podcast that we we think pretty highly of the work that's going on over at University of Edinburgh. So, give us an insight into the setup in Scotland's capital city and where you come into the team? Yeah, well, I mean, Scotland's capital city is a pretty beautiful place to be based. Um, you know, I, I, arrived, I arrived in Edinburgh in 2002 and I've still yet to leave. So, um, you know, it's, it's got a hook on you. But the, in terms of the programme, we're quite a, a young programme. Uh, the programme was actually set up by uh, Chris Jones in 2008. Um, there was a pre-existing programme in Edinburgh, city of Edinburgh, which... Um, you know, came to its natural end and um, Chris set up the university. So he did a whole lot of stuff with um, you know, the university. They had no performance sport at the university at the time and swimming was the first um, performance sport set up. So you know, it's pretty cool now. We've got, uh, I think, 11 or 13 performance sports at the university um, you know, with all full-time coaches. So it's been huge in terms of the setup. 
in terms of our development as a swim team, uh, it's kind of been astronomical when you think, uh, you know, we started with nothing in 2008 um, and where we are today. So, you know, I, I came into the programme personally in, in 2014, uh, just after the, the Commonwealth Games. And since then, um, you know, I've been coaching uh, every day at, at Edinburgh. So, yeah, I, I guess uh, in terms of um, our day-to-day setup, we have three groups in Edinburgh. Um, the Performance Red, Performance Blue and Performance White. Performance Red is coached by myself and Ross Douglas. Performance Blue is coached by Chris. Uh, and Performance White is coached by, uh, I think, just in, this could be breaking news. Actually, I don't know if I'm allowed to break it, but hey-ho. Uh, <laughs> uh, a, a, a guy, Danny Kirkham, who's just joined our, our, our team from uh, East Lothian. So, um, you know, that's great. Um, in terms of how the, the squad and the structure set set works is my group has about eighteen athletes in it. Um, some some of the names that you'll have spoke to before in the podcast. You know, Chris has about twenty four in his, and Danny has about the same in, in terms of twenty four. So, um, you know, that that's in terms of uh, we cater for a lot of students. Um, mm. But they're not all based at Edinburgh University. The majority are, but you know, Edinburgh's pretty lucky. Unfortunately, we have four universities within Edinburgh, and we also have a couple of full time summers that. Obviously, uh, Stephen Clegg and Cara now, um, who, who just swim. Yeah. So if we talk about you personally, from our research, you've got a very clear background in strength and conditioning. How important is it to have that knowledge when producing top-level athletes in swimming? Yeah, well, I mean, my interest in strength and conditioning came from when I swam uh, personally. Uh, you know, I, I always knew I was never going to be a world-class swimmer. I was quite fortunate I got to hang around some of the uh, best at the time in terms of Ian Edmonds, Gregor Tate, Chris Gilchrist, Kirsty Balfour. But you know, I always knew my place was going to be in uh, coaching or or somewhere in the sport, and I could never really figure out where S and C sat uh, within swimming. Uh, you know, at the time. So when I when I finished uh, swimming myself, I went back and did a masters in, in strength and condition. I've got a real genuine passion in that link from uh, what we do in the gym into the water, uh, how we train it. Um, and how we get the best um, return on our money uh, in terms of you know making yourself strong is one thing, but how do you apply it in a in a medium where water is going to move about? Uh, you know, it's never fixed. Um, so, you know, that's where a lot of my interest comes from. Um, I think it sets up a lot of what I do in terms of my philosophy. Um, and yeah, that's that's a big interest of mine. Yeah, it it feels like you chose that path just at the right time because swimming has changed like dramatically over the past what six four years around that time like when adam pt really burst onto the scene you saw the work that strength and conditioning can now do for these athletes in the pool yeah i mean it's, it's incredible in terms of uh, you know where swimming's gone in such a short space of time you know for a long time especially in breaststroke you mentioned you know no, no one could even imagine the landscape of breaststroke and how it looks today uh, in terms of what Adam's done for the sport, in terms of what others have done for this this sport as, as, as well. But, you know, it, it does play a huge part. Um, and I think it's going to evolve more and more. You know, uh, I've got a big um, interest in contrast. And, you know, we do a lot of stuff on the, either whether it's the Destro buckets or whether it's the, um, with propellers and, and stuff. And now when I look this summer and see some of the stuff at um, sort of Cam McAvoy and people like that are doing, I think, well, uh, that's going to be the next evolution in terms of, of where mm-hmm. someone's going, I think. Yeah, because that was... Yeah, his video of him with 
what was it, like 80 kilograms in a bucket and he's just swimming up a length? That's <laughs> just nuts. It's an incredible video, isn't it? I was, I was going to yeah. kind of delve into the strength and conditioning a little bit because I think we have a few younger listeners who probably think strength and conditioning is just getting in a gym and lifting as much weight as possible and building mass, you know, like Adam Peaty, let's say, for example. But how does strength and conditioning differ when it comes to different strokes and distances? It's obviously going to be different. Yeah, well, I guess you've got your long axis strokes like free and back row and then your shorter axis strokes in terms of breast and fly. And, you know, I think there's there's an awful lot to be said. You can get very, very strong very very quickly uh, everyone knows that we can do that in this sport but you know there has to be a balance between um you know the strength that you put on and how you apply it in the pool uh, and quite often i think where people get into a little bit of hot water uh, so to speak is when they put on too much strength too quickly uh, and expect results in the pool you know it takes a long time um, to train that uh, and also to get your full feel uh, and i and i got that from you know, at a very young age, when I trained with Frederick New uh, in like 2004, 2005, we were on a camp in Canny, uh, and this is where I started thinking about it. And uh, at the time, Fred's married to uh, Elena Popjanka, who was sort of Belarusian somewhere, and, and Oleg Lizagor at the time was there with his coach, and, and she could obviously converse uh, in, in language. And I was sitting at the table, and I said, go and ask how much he, he lifts. Uh, and she sort of asked the question, um, and the coach said he didn't lift. He was already too strong. Uh, and that really made me think uh, an awful lot about you know, what we do in swimming and, and how we apply it. And you know, I think a lot about COVID. Uh, you know, we had a great season coming off the back of uh, uh, the, the COVID year, uh, which you maybe think that was 20 years, uh, 20 years, 20 weeks. It felt like 20 years. Uh, 20 weeks, um, you know, out of the water. But, you know, we did a lot of basic body uh, conditioning and training and I think you saw that well, anecdotally I don't know what other people were doing uh, but I think swimming came back in a, in a slightly better place with uh, people mm. had gone back to basics or however you might want to call it mm. but we trained our core we'd, we'd almost built the access at, at you know, the base that we could then put the, mm. the work on in the gym and I think that's where you know, we look very heavily at the start of the season on that sort of stuff. I think at UKSCA and that sort of, they start their S and C, um, you know, courses saying you can't fire a cannon off a canoe. Uh, you know, you need a stable base. And in swimming, the only mm. thing we need to be able to do is fire a cannon off a canoe. Um, mm. So you know, we have to learn how to control our body um, in water, uh, and you know, we never swim through the same water twice. So you know, I think it's a, it's a huge part. Um, it's important to to link many different things into the pool, uh, and you know how you transfer what you do in the gym into the pools. I think pretty key. So when you say you learned so much during the COVID times from those twenty weeks out, and you've now learned how to build a better foundation at the start of the season, how is that affecting results at the end of the season? Is it a case that you guys can then get into your winter block? a lot quicker on in the year? Are you just building a stronger foundation, stronger athletes? How's that translating to summer results that have just gone? Yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting because, again, there's there's two areas, isn't there? There's the results are, are here and what we're thinking about in the future. Um, so there's some things that, that we're doing currently or we've done currently with a few athletes to set ourselves up for next year. Um, you know, whether that's a huge strength block to get to where we need to or where we think we might to, need to be. So we've now got Next six months, seven months to train that, um, or whether we're looking at a different approach. Generally, uh, our first nine weeks, um, 
and it will be the same this year, are all focused around uh, core movement. You're getting everything that we've done in our profile and the screening nailed. Um, so, you know, we want to be able to create the right uh, patterns on land that we then use in the water, you know, whether that's underwater, whether that's off the start. Um, and then we've got a 12-week strength block. Um, and then after that, we'll look at the, the finishing touches in a, in a, a further nine weeks into sort of trials, I guess. I feel like we could deep dive into strength and conditioning like for the entire <laughs> podcast, but we've got so much things, to, so many questions to ask you. Another thing from our research is that you've got a degree in your sports science and psychology. How important is it to train the mind as well as the body nowadays? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge part, isn't it? Um, I think my big philosophy is, that, you know, we have to have fun in what we're doing. We have to enjoy what we're doing, um, whether that's coaching on a day-to-day basis or as an athlete in the, in the program. And, you know, a lot of what, what I'd hope my athletes would say is is around supporting them, you know, build build them as people, um, and I think that's the the key thing. I think too often in swimming, we either get bogged down in finding out sets, reps, you know, what other people do. I don't think that makes a huge amount of difference. Uh, you know, we we we're all within a, a, a you know an area, um, whereas you know I think where swimming and coaching needs to go is the development of rela- relationships between athlete and coach. How you go on a journey together, and um, what does that journey look like, uh, and how do you support and learn? You know, there was there's things that we've done with athletes um, over a five or six year period to provide uh, and, and make sure that they get to where exactly where they need to be. Um, and you know, that's not it can't be done in a month, a week, or a, a year. It's got to be a long term approach. And you know, I think possibly one of the biggest things it hinders not hinders us a bit as a challenge in coaching now is we're in an instant world you know you can find out about anything uh, in a couple of clicks on the internet you know you can't train to be a world-class swimmer instantly uh, that's going to take time uh, and it, it you know for different people it's going to take different amounts of time and different amounts of uh, application um so for me that's that's a a really big piece is and it's where I'm always trying to sort of develop as a coach. You know, I work with a great coach developer, and all the stuff that we do is around interaction um, and how we you know get the best out of athletes. Mm. I'm kind of having flashbacks to our podcast. It was a very long time ago now with John Rudd and how he was speaking that actually he was a teacher for many years before he was a swim coach, and it was all about delivery and how he got kids to engage with the sport. So that's kind of what I'm picking up with your sports science and psychology degree is that you're actually helping. It's it's less about how you're actually helping the swimming, but more about how you're helping yourself as a coach, like interact with the swimmers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the biggest thing. And, and you know, the biggest part is it's is a very quickly changing world. Uh, you know, I think that probably how the world's changed in the last five years has been some of the biggest uh, shifts in psychology uh, in probably the last 15 or 20 years that went before that. Um, and it's about learning, you know, how do people respond now? What do they want? Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, I've read a book uh, last summer, which was Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, you know, it's how to build resilience, I guess, in a, in a modern day world. And so many of the things that I quite often think about you know, it was just so elegantly put, I could never put it uh, like that in a book, but, you know, how he develops or how he su- suggests that toughness, resilience, whatever word you want to do, performance ultimately in this modern day world, you know, that's kind of summed up, up to me. And, you know, again, that's just the journey you go on, but every journey is different. 
with every single athlete, no two are the same. So I think that's a the beauty of coaching uh, mm. is that you you never get on the same bus or, or you know, work with it. There might be things that are similar, um, but for each person, it's going to be something that's going to make them tick. And it's once you find that out, uh, I think you know you can go on you know an awesome journey. And some of the names that you've highlighted there already in the podcast, Adam PE, you know whoever it might be, you know the him, the relationship him and Mel, or you know whoever it might be, that's what's taking them. Uh, yeah. to those places in my opinion so do you take specific uh sessions to train the mind i don't know like a meditation type thing a yoga type thing with your squad yeah we've done um a lot of yoga in the past uh, this last couple of years i've changed that to breathing and um, we do an awful lot of uh breath work um, we also do some stuff we've got a great we, i work with a great um psychologist or I don't, mental skills coach i think uh Matilda's official title, but um, you know she does stuff uh, where we use it for visualizations, where we train the sounds uh, of the the race pace. Uh, so we have we record the athletes at, at race pace, um, and we allow them to you know, visualize and, and sort of hear and try and recreate senses um, in and around you know what their actual race feels like. It's very easy to sit and do meditation or um, imagery, but you know. It works differently for every every person, uh, and we did that this year. And, and you, know, especially for um, Stephen Clegg, he found that really really helpful. Uh, you know, working on some of the stuff in and around. You know, and it just adds a new dimension. You know, I sit and listen to, it and it's, it's it's you know, when you listen to breaststroke, it's almost like a heartbeat. Dum dum. Uh, you know, so you know, I, I find it quite interesting to listen to, and then listen to different people, and see how that changes in terms of what the sound sounds like um, which is I find really fascinating but it's all just yeah. experimenting you know mm-hmm. you've got to try different things and uh, what th- what will work for one person will be nonsense to the next but you know for every person there will be uh, something that sits. Would you put a heart rate on them then? Like, like when when you're doing that session you put a heart rate man- monitor on them at all? No we don't have a heart rate monitor. We just have a. We use a GoPro actually, just to pick up the sounds. So it's all about the what the sounds of the water sounds like. So it's got to be a pretty quiet pool. Uh, they do it one at a time, um, and it just creates the sounds. So it's this, it's the same sounds that you know when Carib gets into streamline. You'll what you'll hear in a race uh, mm. is what we can then provide, uh, and we've started to use that um, just as a tool, just to make us aware of what we're doing at, at race you know speeds what? and just a, a different element. That's a fascinating way to visualize. Like we've we've literally just had a podcast with Lauren Cox, and she said before every race she closes her eyes and just imagines a turn. Whereas yeah. now your swimmers are going almost one step further, and they can listen to a turn. Like they can listen to what a good swim feels like, and it's it's almost like a different way of training the subconscious mind, like what a good swim is or what swim feels like. Um, I wonder how many coaches will actually take away from this podcast and actually give that a go mm. like train their swimmers to listen to what a good swim feels like or, or a correct race pace maybe well that's why i was yeah. asking about the heart rate stuff like if they're if they're listening to those sounds and their heart rate comes you, know, you can't hear your own heart right can you but no 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 no, no. as in the sound of someone doing breaststroke for example like the heart rate sound of it will that increase their their the, the rate of their hearts just because they're put they're putting themselves in a race situation i have oh. no idea 
Maybe that's oh, uh, right, okay. maybe, that, maybe that's something to for, for my next evolution of uh, <laughs> crazy Matt Trodden thoughts. Uh, you know, but um, you know, definitely, I definitely think it's something that you know, you've got to explore. You know, you've got to do different things. Uh, and you know, I find it quite funny we, when we actually did a lot of that stuff. We were up at Sierra Nevada. Um, you know, so we we were coming in and you know we're filming one at a time and. And then Andy Manley was there with his group, and he was obviously coming in and doing a lot of volume. I thought it's the first time I've been a wee bit embarrassed. You know, my guys are doing this thing and they're getting out <laughs> filming, and, and then they're getting in and actually doing real swimming. So, um, but yeah, no, um, it's, it's, it's something that we're we're looking at, and you know, hopefully it can be something that provides an element of difference um, and helps some of our guys into next year. Yeah, it, it, with both of these elements of coaching that we've just been through with you, the strength and conditioning and now the psychology and visualization, it it almost sounds like you're very willing to innovate as a coach. You're always looking to push the boundaries. Why is that important to your coaching philosophy? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that probably is my coaching philosophy. It's to break the rules or push the rules. And that doesn't mean, I think when you say things like that, people think, oh, that means less or... Uh, that means you know something, but it's just looking at different ways to do it. I think we have to evolve um, as a sport. Um, you know the, the demands on us have changed. You know it's not the same as the eighties or the nineties. You know there's different demands on pool time. There's different demands on on lifestyle now. Um, and you, know, I think we have to evolve and not constantly look at the same thing. And um, you know again, I don't think it was, I guess it's my information, but you know when I was working with my coach developer, one of the things he very quickly said is you'll either have a problem with authority or following rules and and that's kind of <laughs> what you guys have just picked up on there and you know I, I just want to again explore some things aren't going to work, and that's okay um but you don't learn by doing the same thing all the time um mm. and you know I think that's where. I'm, I'm looking at in terms of the, the journey I go on with athletes. You know, I've been very fortunate with a lot of the athletes I've worked with to work with them for you know four, five, six years. Um, so you know, there's been a lot of trial and error to find out what makes people tick. Um, but then once we find, um, I, I call it sweet spot. Um, you know, and that that's in a range of things. It's volume, it's intensity, it's it's the things that work for them both in out the pool and the gym. Uh, yeah. Once we hit that, um, generally they sort of take off or, or find their groove. Mm, I love it. I love it. Now, one swimmer who you've already mentioned several times on this podcast and is certainly a standout swimmer at Edinburgh is Cara Hanlon. Now, we've had her on this podcast, and for anyone who hasn't listened to her backstory, just go have a listen. It's a fascinating one. Now, she didn't quite have the summer that everyone, especially us here, know that she's capable of, but just how far do you think she can go as a swimmer, especially with Paris on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, Karis had a pretty crazy year. Uh, you know, again, she broke 68 um, for the first time, uh, yeah, sort of last year in the, in the lead up to the Commonwealth Games. Uh, and I think this time, this year, swam, you know, I think went into the season with a PB of 67.3 and has swam 13 times long course, 14 times long course, 30 of them, 30 of them under 68, uh, and I think four times under. 67 um which you know when we set at the start of the year the goal was uh to go 66 um you know we pretty eclipsed that in terms of going 66-3 and, and very very close to the um the, the british record in, in mm -hmm. glasgow and um, so yeah i i mean i 
I have big goals for Cara. Cara uh, has big goals for Cara. Um, I definitely think we can take that uh, British record in, in the near future, hopefully. Uh, it depends what other people have plans in, in Britain as well, I guess. But, um, you know, we're definitely looking at 65 now as a, as a realistic target. You know, I think probably one of the things I think, can't quite remember, I think maybe 34-9-1 was what she came back when she went to 66-3. And when you look at the final at the World Championships, there was only two girls under 35. So, you know, we have a a lot, we've changed an awful lot. Uh, we've got a huge response and, um, you know, I think it, there was a lot of learning done in the summer as well, which is going to stand her in a huge good stead uh, going forward because that really was our first real international exposure um, at age 26 uh, You know, this summer You know, in terms of she had the Commonwealth Games and the Europeans last year, which were great, but, you know, that was the first time where you've been to the ball where everyone is. Um, you know, there wasn't anyone missing at it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of learning to be done in terms of eastward travel, in terms of um, you know preparing you know away from from the coach um, and you know, I think yeah I think it's going to stand down in great stead for ne- for next year. Yeah, she did say on an Instagram post that she was very grateful for the experience and actually learnt a lot. But what were the things? What were the main things that you took away from her swims? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit to be be done in terms of um, one of the things that with Cara, it's always going to be something that we're an area we're developing is. Um, her start and her turn um, and you know part of that's just due to the genetic makeup her strength and her back end um, you know, is is unbelievable uh, but she's always going to be a little bit smaller uh, than most of the other girls in, in that race um, so we, we have to find ways to be, be better um, and it's, it's through a biomechanics model uh, in terms of what would the what's the best possible start we can do? We've been very, very consistent in that this year. Uh, so that's that's a that's a key area for us. Uh, the other key area we we use an awful lot is is altitude. And um, probably the biggest thing for me I'm going to work out going forward is why were we so fast each time we came out of altitude? So, you know, we'd just come down the mountain when she first went 66 uh, bucks in February. And then when we just come out of the altitude tent, because um, it was a pretty much the only place we were able to fit it in in the cycle, we did want to put it in a little bit later. But just through, you know, the calendar traveling to set a collie, then not that long into, um, you know, the holding camp was we could only put it in there, and, and she and again she she absolutely obliterated our our, our best time uh, in Glasgow. So there's there's a little bit for us to do with my physiologist, Mike McKenna, uh, just to work out why were we so good then uh, and what do we change knowing that, uh, you know, into into the the year next year. But, you know, we've been using that now for four or five five years uh, as, a, as a training plan. I think I've predicted going into... I think it's the last two meets that we've done previews for. So we previewed British champs and then we previewed worlds. And the last two, I said, Cara's going to get the British record. So hopefully the next one, she proves me right. I, yeah, I, just, just don't predict it. <laughs> I'll tell you what, yeah. yeah, I'll leave it off for you and see what happens. It's your fault you're jinxing it. That's the problem. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, blame on me. <laughs> That's fine. I'm only kidding. But, um, yeah, no, I think there's still, still a lot of room for improvement with Cara. And it's great. You know, we've worked together now since... 2018 so again kind of what i was saying to you in that last question you know the, the further we go into the relationship the more it evolves and changes um 
you know, we had a great debrief after after the the worlds there, and you know, again, it's just it's no longer just a coach telling an, an athlete what to do. You know, we, it's, it's a real shared experience, um, mm. yeah, shared in terms that she does ninety percent of the work and I stand on poolside. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know, it does feel like it's not just. I explain it to my athletes all the time. I've got a dog. I've got a wee border terrier, and I any. Some of them have walked my dog from me before. It's the most infuriating dog. If it doesn't want to walk, it just lies <laughs> down and everyone laughs. And I see all these other dog owners, um, you know, getting dragged to the park by their dog. And, and, you know, that's kind of what I say to my athletes and Cara is the, the sort of epitomization of that, you know, uh, I have to run to keep up with her. Um, you know, and that's, that's a great place to be. Um, so, mm. yeah, no, we're pretty excited about next year. Um, yeah, hopefully there's going to be some good things. Mm. you've got um a big cohort of breaststrokers in the squad it's not just Kara. is that like by design that the squad makeup is like that or that they're all doing so well uh, again it's, it's a funny one because people will always ask that and edinburgh's had a pretty rich mm. tradition with breaststroke um you but the only thing that you can get is what comes through your door uh so mm. quite often you know uh one of the things that we'll get told is, is you know, edinburgh's a bit of a sprint program uh which isn't, isn't true we've got loads of people from loads of different uh areas but you know you can only have what comes to your door we we, we are you know really grateful we've got a couple of great breaststrokers we've got cara and, and her training group of um, anna morgan katie goodburn uh, you know this uh, uh archie goodburn, goodburn and uh, ushin cook as well in, in the group which is you know it's just a, a real phenomenal group of breaststrokers to have, you know, anything from a guy that goes two or six uh, sh- short course in Ushin, you know, who holds Irish record and Archie obviously and, and then Cara and the girls, you know, it's, it just, it creates a good environment, but no two of them train the same uh, because if I train Anna like Cara, Cara wants them very well, Anna wants them very, you know, so mm. that's what I love about breaststroke because it's a puzzler, isn't it? You know, everyone moves <laughs> slightly differently through the water and you've got to understand how people move and how people sit. Uh, to get the best out of them all. Yeah, and it's not just breaststroke. You've got the backstroke, of course, Scott Gibson, who ended the year extremely well. 50 backstroke, uh, Scottish record, sorry. Uh, first of all, how much of a confidence boost was that for him going into the summer break? And secondly, even with the depth of UK men's sprint backstroke scene suddenly, uh, is he going to be challenging for the elusive medley relay spot come trials? Yeah, I mean... But- I think that's every Brackhaw's dream in this country, isn't it? You know, to to try and get that that medley really spot. Um, you know, I, I don't think Scott would mind me saying it was probably one of the the toughest seasons that he's had. Um, you know, especially leading up to trials, it, it didn't quite go in terms of how he wanted. He you know he struggled with a, a few things, but you know, post um, trials, you know, some of the work that he'd done and and in terms of what we tried to develop was you know astronomical. Um, we'd done. An awful lot of work, and you know, some real great work with our physios in and around his how he sits underwater and what we're doing underwater. And I think that was probably the big difference maker in terms of his 50 back at the, the time. But you know, he went obviously 24s, uh, I think eight uh, in the individual, but then that 24 5 leading off the relay was you know lightning quick. Um, mm. And you know, it's quite a cool place to be. We have to make him slower, don't we? Uh, you know, next <laughs> ne- next year, you know, he can travel at that speed. We just got to get him to swim slower for longer. Um, so, you know, it's really exciting with him, and and you know, he's a he's now a great athlete. You know, again, I think I've been working with him since twenty eighteen. So, you know, 
the development now is, is really taken off. We've done an awful lot in the background just to find out what works best. How do we get the best out of Scott? And, and again, you know, he was chomping at the bit uh, to have a meeting with me to discuss about next year. What what do we change? Uh, do we need to change anything? You know, and our big goal was to be as fast as we could uh, a year out. I don't think we, we quite thought we were going to be at 24-5. Um, you know, as the, you know, we, we, we'd said, uh, I think I'd said to Ian Wright at, at the time, I think he could go 24 7 at, at, at the meet. So, um, you know, now it's a case of trying to make that speed really easy and see see what we can do at the back end. But, you know, I think that's the big thing for me is the quicker you are, uh, the more capacity in some aspects you have to, you know, you can go out. If he goes out 25 3 or 25 you know, whatever you might want to choose, whatever we might think he wants to go out next year. Um, you know, that's 0.8 over your best time. Uh, mm. You know, if your best time is 24.9 or 25.1 or 25.2, then that's right on the limit of what you can handle. So, you know, he's done a great job and, you know, we're really excited with him uh, in terms of he graduated this year as well. So there was a lot of you know, pressure on finishing that. So, you know, he's got a, you know, a great opportunity next year in terms of uh, a free training year to to you know really attack it it's like the exact same conversation we had one week ago with lauren literally just how she translate her 50 over to the 100 um now before we touch upon archie and len under 23s which was a meet that you attended i just want to touch upon stephen clegg and world paris now he's probably not going to get the recognition he deserves like for some reason in this country, Paris women just doesn't quite kick on unless it's the Paralympics. But how important is it to have a swimmer of that caliber and like as successful as he is as part of that program? Does he bring everyone else up, even the able body swimmers? Yeah. I mean, uh, Clegg is amazing. Uh, I guess, I don't know whether you guys all know or not, but I actually coached uh, Stephen's older brother, James, uh, at a uh, Paralympic bronze in 2012. Um, uh. You know, and I learned so much from James. Um, you know, he really transformed sort of my race modelling and uh, how we do it. You know, in terms of we had to find a solution. Um, you know, how do we know where we are in the water? And I think at the time, I think his his, his rate was something like forty eight and seventeen strokes. And this is uh, James Clegg uh, in twenty twelve, and, and we knew if he went out, he'd be around about twenty seven eight to twenty eight two, and then he he could. After that, he can make a decision based on how he's feeling because he doesn't have the same awareness as what other swimmers might have as to what's happening in the race. He has to be really aware of what he does in the race. Um, and you know, he was he was an amazing athlete in terms of that. His brother is about three or four times better. Uh, <laughs> you know, James, James uh, Stephen is just incredible in terms of his awareness of how he sits in the water. You know, his discipline to to what he does, um, and you know, he's a He's the only athlete I've I've got in the whole program that you know never really messes a, a breakout in, in training. Uh, you know, and I think it's just as a he he has different. You know, again, he will all u- utilize, and I guess maybe for the listeners that aren't aware, is it that uh, Stephen has a, a visual impairment? Um, so you know, he uses his other senses um, way better than anyone I've ever coached in my life. Um, you know, so he's I think he's aware of the pressure changes in water. Um, you know, and how he breaks out, and you know how he gets the the stroke count right every single length, um, and you know he's got some lofty goals. Uh, he'd, he'd really love to try and go and try and win uh, the three um, Paralympic gold medals next year. 
And you know, we've done an awful lot of work on different strokes this year off fly, which is, I guess, his main one, uh, to ensure that we're going to be in a position to be able to challenge uh, for all three. I think probably the, the biggest thing for Stephen is the length of the season next year. Um, mm. you know, everyone's keen to get back in at it because it's Olympic year or Paralympic year, but you've got to remember it for Stephen. It's going to be the end of August uh, before he gets his opportunity to compete on the world stage. So, you know, that's probably the biggest piece of work we're doing this now is over the length of of Stephen's season. Uh, but, you know, he's brilliant. And he trains alongside, you know, Kiedis Lawson and, and Tom Carswell, who are, who are also both great flyers. And, and you, know, uh, you know, it really makes me happy sometimes, especially with, uh, you know, Kira and Cleggy, the way they discuss uh, how how they move in the water, how they feel in the water, you know, different sensations is is mm. you know, it's great because that's kind of where I want to go. Uh, I don't want mm. a value to be able to put on everything because a value is only as good as whatever the value says in the in the paper. Uh, you know, how a person feels in the water, how they can relate to, it and how they can describe it to you is the most important part because you know how I feel in the water is going to be different to how either of mm. you two feel in the water. But for me, it'll be massively out of shape. But, you know, even in terms <laughs> of stroke technique... <laughs> even in terms of stroke technique and stuff, you know, no one's going to feel the water the same. So, you know, we do an awful lot of work in and around that feel. Um, mm. You know, how do you feel? What works for you? And we all have certain drills and, and, and different skulls that are key for each individual based on how they feel the water. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was going to talk about sculling and Stephen Clegg and his um, increase in sensor feeling the water. Like, so I imagine he'd be if there was a sculling race, would he then win that race just because he knows the feel of the water <laughs> and the pressures and stuff like that? I don't know. Uh, we're pretty keen on sc- sculling. It's probably the most competitive race we'd have in uh, Edinburgh. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, uh, I think uh, Daniel Brayson is one of the Glasgow coaches. Uh, you know, she was at trials. She came in and she said. I knew instantly, uh, it was one of the free sessions, that there was 10 Edinburgh University students in there because they were all sculling. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I took that as a massive kudos. Uh, you know, but we do, an, we do an awful lot of sculling uh, in every session. Uh, and we do, we have a couple of drills that are specifically as to how you're feeling the water. So as we go through a week, we'll do them. Uh, and they're basic things. Uh, we call it LVD. Uh, it's just basically a flat-out skull. How far can you travel through the water and then recover your arms? And, and most of those guys will do the 50 metres in, in four or five, which when you start to break that down, that's you're travelling 12 and a half metres. Uh, obviously, there's a push-off, but you know, you're travelling 10 or 12 metres each one. So we do that for a couple of reasons. Reason number one is to see where we're at. Reason number two at the end of the week is to tell if, if we're actually fatigued is, is it neural or is it actually, uh, you know, we're not holding the water anymore? You know, you know, exactly where are, where are we? If you can do the same number, but you just feel tired, that's maybe not so much of a problem. But if that is going to start creeping up, then we know how you how you're feeling the water or how you're holding the water has changed. I'll tell you what, Dan, if we want to go film some sculling videos for the channel, <laughs> I think we know where to go. Um, uh, I'm fine with a weekend in Edinburgh. Yeah, I don't mind that either. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's touch upon racing last weekend then in the inaugural LEN under twenty threes. You were one of the coaches who was selected to go out to Dublin. Tell us a little bit about about the meet or what you learnt about the meet as it went on. Yeah, so I mean, I, I didn't. Well, I guess no one really knew very much about the meet because it was the first time it had ever um, been done. But you know, it's I think it's a meet that 
world swimming maybe has been crying out for. Uh, really lucky uh, Len have stuck it in, you know, especially I guess how they've maybe changed other elements of uh, you know European juniors, world juniors, stuff like that. Because I think it'll be a, a really important meet going forward. Um, obviously, we only knew what everyone else knew. There was a couple of nations that were invited um, prior to it. So I think you guys actually put a tweet out on, on day once. And can anyone explain why some finals are nine? <laughs> yeah, and some finals I had are no 10. idea. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, it was it was. We I did wonder that myself before before we went. You know, um, how does it work? Um, but you. It was great because the Americans and I think the South Africans were there. South African Zimbabwe, they they really added value, um, you know, and, and the fact that it didn't uh, take anything away from the European athletes and the fact that it was mm. an eight lane final if it was just Europeans or two foreign athletes were, were allowed to compete in it. But again, before I went, I kind of thought a three day meet that's going to be a little bit tight uh, but I think the format of it actually worked fantastic uh, I think if it had been a week earlier uh, that would maybe be the icing <laughs> on the cake um, and I don't know how much the home nation had in scheduling uh, but I, f- I felt immensely sorry for uh, Davy um, uh, Leah Schlossen and Lily Booker because it seemed that breaststroke was up every night, uh, first event for them. Uh, also happened to be the ones that, that Mona was taking them home. So I guess as a as a host nation, you're allowed a little bit, but uh, maybe going forward, there could be a little bit of schedule and change. But that's the only thing I would really look at changing. I thought the 4 by one freestyle and the 4 by one medley uh, could switch because that was really hard. And uh, like, um, the, the two freestyle girls and the two freestyle boys that ended up doing four swims and 100 freestyles in a day. So... Yeah, in terms of the meet, I thought it was brilliant, and we did. We had a great meet. Uh, you know, I think Britain had thirteen medals overall, five gold, four silver, four bronze, and we're just inches away from that uh, elusive sixth gold, which would have, I guess, taken the the top team title in whatever format you want to do it. If you're American, I guess we got the most. If you're Australian, <laughs> Ireland won the most golds. Don't want to get into that debate, but uh, yeah, no, it was a great meet, and uh, as I say, I thought it was, it was, it was, I guess. Probably when they selected the team, uh, they selected it with sort of cautious optimism in terms of not really knowing how the the rest of the the nations would mm. would would go. But um, you know, I think Alan said on day one, uh, you know, with the tagline of fearless racing, uh, and you know, I think it, uh, you know a lot of the athletes did that. There were some excellent medals that maybe we were expecting, maybe we weren't expecting. Uh, it came through, so you know, it was it was a real good meet, and it was a great group. Um, and as I say, the setup, Ireland did a great job of hosting, you know, in terms of the transport, in terms of the prep areas, um, you know, it was really well done. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously an inaugural event. It was the first time it's ever happened. Do you reckon this meet will continue next year? And it, will it help development of certain summers or all the summers, actually? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I should, probably should have asked them that uh, before before I came came on this. Uh, I think maybe it could be a bi bi yearly thing, you know, um, maybe every every second year. I don't know. I'm not I'm not involved, but I think that would probably work, you know, because I guess you've got Olympics and stuff next year. Um, but you know, I could I could see it running something like that. I know on the, the pool deck, all the coaches that were there were, were raving about it in terms of uh, I spoke to anyway in terms of opportunity in terms of you know how it was kind of needed. Uh, I think uh, John had a, a presentation that I think was done through through Len, obviously, on 
the the second day, and, and that was kind of a key point in the guy's presentation was how important it might be in terms of bridging that gap from uh, junior swimming into into senior swimming. Um, mm. And I thought like it, you know, it, was, it was highly competitive it, when the when this when the, again you didn't really know what we were going to expect because there was no uh, sort of entry list or team list that was put out till you know sort of forty eight hours before the the meet started. So it was only then that we had a real good grasp on how just how competitive the meet would be and you know some of the times that were swam there were incredibly quick uh, yeah, you know in terms good. of you know Whiffin's 1500 was it uh, yeah, and yeah. you know the, the German girls and the and the distance and then the German lad and the distance was it was incredible and you know, a lot of the, the sprint races obviously were pretty hotly contested too. How does it work with you being a selected coach for British swimming on a team like that? where like some swimmers are your own and others aren't do you stick with your swimmers do you mix and match how does it work in terms of the coaching setup yeah i guess uh, every team i've been part of has been different but you know um it was i guess headed by alan lynn um this time so you know i think there was maybe five five groups uh in terms of spot up so you know i was I'm really fortunate to to work with a, a great wee group of swimmers of which you know Archie was was part of, and I think probably on a short meet like that, you know, it makes sense in terms of um, you know athletes that you know um, or or know of. Um, you know, Brad had a lot of the sterling athletes. Um, you know, it just makes it makes sense to get the best out of people. I think, um, mm. and then working with the coaches that are left uh, at home, you know, to try and deliver the best possible performance for for their athletes uh you know I, I think it works it works really well but you know in terms of the team you know everyone's digging in and, and working together because you know you'll be going from poolside up to the stands to watch a swim and, and you know other people will be pairing and you know, are swimming down so you, you know there's there's a lot of overlap in terms of what happens on these teams in terms of coaches just picking up maybe stuff in the swim down or, or priming or, or whatever so you know probably the i hope the athletes really enjoyed it but you know from a personal level i thought it was a, a really great coaching staff to work with and uh, you know i thought it was a, a good environment to be in mm. how do how do coaches get the chance to be selected for meets like this is there some sort of criteria that that you've got to hit uh again i, I don't know what british swimming's uh, selection type criteria was i was just very glad and honored that i was i was uh, given an opportunity to to be a part of it this time um, but you know i guess i think you know uh you know, Alan did a presentation uh, at the at the British Swimming Championships. You know, where he, you know, as as his head of development, he wanted to offer as much um, opportunity as there, as there was. And I think there's, a, you know, there was an awful lot of coaches that, that got an awful lot of really really valuable opportunities, whether it be at European Juniors, uh, the Commonwealth Youth Games that happened a couple of weeks ago, um, and then obviously this under twenty threes with obviously the senior senior team getting um, world. So you know. I don't know how they they go about it and look at it, but you know I think it was great that so many British coaches were able to get exposed to as many experiences this year as possible. Yeah, meets meets absolutely everywhere. Like for a channel who tries its best to cover as much as possible, like we were stretched beyond our limits. Um, I couldn't even cover them all. Um, if we if we kind of end them the LEN under 23s talk by if we touch upon Archie Goodburn your your swimmer what does he specifically take away from this event in his development as a swimmer yeah I mean I think in, in terms of his development as a swimmer we, we did a completely different cycle this block uh, to set us up for 
for next year. So the, there's there's quite a lot he took away from it. Um, you know, there was a great he managed to get his hand on the wall, get himself a bronze medal, and I think it's third fastest of his his career um, in terms of the fifty breast. You know, the other two coming at trials, um, and you know just you know that experience of. Um, international racing uh you know especially in the breaststroke you know breaststroke's a an incredibly uh, difficult stroke because you're aware more maybe than other strokes especially in and around um mm. so you know being able to race in that environment uh, and be able to be in that environment especially when things get hard and there's people on either side of you because that's when things happen and and, and you end up snatching so that's very hard to replicate domestically um because it's very rare that you get you know, three or four uh, of Britain's top breaststrokers all at the same beat, all, all in the same state of preparation um, mm. to be able to go, go like that. Maybe Edinburgh's really the only opportunity in the domestic calendar at pre-trials that, that people get that. So, you know, for us, it was important to go there uh, and and race the 50 um, and then, you know, see exactly where we were and, you know, Look at uh, some of our race plans. How do we execute them, and what things do we know that we've done this block? Uh, you know, to be better next next year. Um, you know, we've done a huge strength cycle with Archie. Um, he's a very strong boy. Um, but I've seen. we're not going to be able, we're not going to be able to uh, utilize that, and hopefully for another six months. Oh, Matt. Well, there's so many lessons. I hope everyone's taken away from this podcast coaches swimmers fans alike now we do usually finish though with some quick fire questions and we have a coach's edition so what's your favorite stroke to coach um breaststroke who's your swimming idol my swimming idol um my swimming idol in terms of a swimmer's uh, kitajima um i guess in terms of if coaching you know i was fortunate enough to work with him for a while but uh, you know Shannon Rawls and someone that I greatly respect Nice, uh, what's your proudest moment in the sport of swimming so far? Uh, see I actually I got asked this a while ago and I messed it up well I didn't mess it up, <laughs> I told the truth uh, you know and I've had some amazing things you know, my first athlete Mark Tully, it, it was at the Commonwealth Games or, or putting Lucy on the Olympics in 2021 or, or what Cara and the rest of the guys are doing currently but I think my proudest moment and this is honestly speaking is uh, when I started in East Lothian, it's not a quick fire answer here, uh, in t- 2008, I had a, a couple of athletes uh, swam in the programme. One's Bruce Halloran, uh, the other's Danny Kirk, uh, who are now both in coaching, and Bruce is the head coach of uh, Warrender. So that's my proudest thing because I hope it, what he developed through you know, his time with me is you know, he's going to influence swimming uh, for a long time to come. So I think that's my proudest moment. I love that answer. answer. That's great. Yeah. Like uh, what's the hardest set you've ever given out? Uh, the hardest set I've ever given out? Um, uh, 350s, um, you know, one on five minutes uh, where we just get the lactate spiked and then 250s back to back with five seconds rest. Um, I think Tom Carswell in particular would tell you he didn't enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> and final question it gets to know you a little bit away from a swimming pool if you've gone on a road trip there's three spaces in the car you can take friends family celebrity anyone you want dead or alive who would you take with you uh, honestly I'd just take my my wife uh, my child uh, Charlie and my dog um, so you know, that's, that's the three, like three most important people to me so um, that's who I'd take 
I love it. Matt, nice. thank you so much for coming on to this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. We are definitely going to be up in Edinburgh again very soon. Um, and hopefully we'll catch you on a poolside. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to say to, to you guys, thanks very much for what you're doing. It's it, it's really good for the sport of swimming. Um, and you know, it's where I get most of my swimming news. Um, so yeah, keep it up and keep, keep working hard. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll not know what's going on. <laughs> really appreciate it. Oh, you're very kind. Yeah, thank you for coming on. And honestly, I think we could have had you on for another hour to talk about strength and conditioning mm. and the psychology, Edinburgh. We could have, we, we'll have to get you on again, I think, because there's so much more we can delve into. Mm. So thank you for coming on. And, uh, well, best of luck leading into the next important year going into Paris. Yeah. Dan, a podcast that could have gone much longer than the 50 minutes record time. Matt is mm. a fantastic like wealth of knowledge within the sport of swimming, talking about psychology, talking about strength and conditioning, but so many other lessons to learn in terms of like innovating as a coach while respecting yeah. like the traditional boundaries as well. Like just a brilliant podcast all round, I find, I think. Well, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And there were so many different routes we could have gone down. I mean, the main, the main topic was supposed to be the LEN under 23s, but I felt like we could have gone down so many different ways, like strength and conditioning. I had loads of questions like lined up in my head, but we had to move on. Like psychology, loads of questions, but we had to move on. So we'd have to get him back on again. And the, 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 the visualization, oh, the, man. that was insane. I really want to find out more about that. And he, uh, he actually said when, when we were signing off that we can go up to Edinburgh and do a bit of sculling and maybe we get a bit of a footage of that because that would be incredible yeah i mean literally last week's podcast we spoke to lauren about visualizing we put a clip up of it it's, it's done really well like 40 odd thousand people have seen it now this is like a different level of visualization that honestly i had never thought of there might be coaches who are listening and just like oh yeah we've done that before we've listened back to races but hopefully there are some swimmers out there who maybe just struggle to visualize struggle to or because a lot of people actually can't imagine images in their own mind and the technique that matt talked about strapping a gopro to the back of a swimmer and recording the sounds might be a really useful way to train a swimmer into visualizing a race plan especially like breaststroke in terms of stroke rate in terms of tempo it like mm. it actually blew me away i'd never thought of it why why have i never thought about that I'm literally the film guy for this channel. <laughs> well, this is this is where I wanted to ask so many questions. Like, does, does that only work for breaststroke? Because it is a very up and down sort of stroke, as with butterfly. But would it be as effective for something like backstroke and front crawl when, when the GoPro? Yeah, might yeah be but you still hear things, don't you? I suppose you do. Again, these are the questions I have to ask, and we'd have to go up there and, and find out. But fascinating. I love the fact that he isn't just your traditional coach, let's say. It's mm. just, you know, meters, meters, turns, dives. Yep. No, he's all about doing things differently uh, outside of the pool with strength and conditioning and this visualization. Incredible. I, this is probably the reason why Edinburgh, his squad anyway, are doing really, really well right now. Well, the whole of Edinburgh squad, really. What the, they are, the swimmers that are coming out of there, like Cara, we... Everyone knows how highly we think of Cara Hanlon on this mm. podcast. Archie Goodburn certainly has a chance in the 100 breaststroke next year to be challenging the likes of Adam and James. Mm, maybe, uh, yeah. And then, and then you think of Stephen Clegg, who's very much sort of an unsung he hero of the para-swimming yeah. scene in this country. He's, yeah, hopefully he wins that triple gold coming into the Paralympics next year. But mm. Dan, as you said, this was meant to be a little bit of a catch-up of the LEN under-21. So let's have a quick touch upon the performances out there from the British squad. I believe about 19, 18 swimmers went. 
and we came away with 13 medals, five golds, mm. just behind Ireland six. And for me, there were some very clear standout swimmers um, yep. and ones that have actually built some momentum going into Paris and the Olympic trials next year that potentially they probably wouldn't have had had this yeah. meet not been on, which which is why I see it as so valuable in that transition from junior to senior. And for me, I'm going to start with Jono Adams going a 53-4 in the 100-back leadoff in the medley and then a 25-1 in the 50-back is really challenging the likes of his teammate Cam Brooker and actually getting close towards what Ollie Morgan did this summer. He won't get the headlines written about him, but a 53-4 is good. <laughs> well, it's nigh on the same time, isn't it? You're in your low 53 region then. And now we've got, what's that? That's now three, four, maybe even five boys that are now hitting that sort of time. It's a matter of time before we have a 52-point 100 backstroker, which is exactly what we need for yep. these medley relays. So that's very exciting. And I loved his interviews with Nick Hope as well. I don't know if you've watched them yet, but he is very bubbly. We'll have to get him on a podcast <laughs> at some point. Um, Kiana McInnes swam very well in her yep. fly races. Uh, two golds for her. The times were not quite what she did at trials but either way it's it's quite close to her season oh, she's had a long summer she has yeah and she I, was I actually at worlds she's taken away a lot this year and actually like you say i think there's a lot of momentum from this year going into paris so i think she's one to watch out for um and then they obviously you have the irish swimmers as well dan whiffen who matt was alluding to and then mona mcsharry in the breaststroke mm. they swam well those two summers especially they swam extremely well but uh yeah i think there was a lot of summers Ed Mildred also swam yeah. really well as well. Arch so, Goodwin, yeah, we mentioned Charlie Brown. Yeah, yeah, there was a, there was a few. There was a few. I um I think this meet has a place in the swimming calendar. I don't know where it fits next year. Probably doesn't with the Olympics on, but I think it it's got a home. I just hope it continues in countries we can get to. By <laughs> by annually sounds good to me. I think in our, in sense. Ireland. Let's, let's yeah, every keep it there. year, yeah, yeah. Let's keep it there. Yeah, I don't mind that. <laughs> okay, so that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. We're going to be back in seven days' time with a big guest from the world of swimming, a massive one. So make sure you're subscribed to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify so you don't miss out on that. And me and Dan will see you next week. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.